I'm Keith Alpert. I'm with Athletist at Athletist.com. I'm a strength coach and I've been a strength coach for 35 years. And today I'm going to discuss uh, a little recap on how my athletes have been affected by the pandemic and the potential major opportunity for football players going forward. With respect to the pandemic, the pandemic prevented the gyms from being open until for at least a few months and training facilities being open. Unfortunately, I have a very small training facility in my home and was able to stay compliant and work with a number of my athletes in a safe environment and have gotten some fantastic results. And now many of them are going off to either college or private school uh, at the end of the month. However, there's a group of football players that were supposed to start preseason football around August the 18th. And now in the state of Massachusetts, uh, uh, the MIAA, which is the governing body of high school sports in Massachusetts, has created a new four-season model, which with football is now going to be uh, starting at the end of February and lasting into the third week of April uh, to hopefully allow an opportunity for, the, uh, for the, especially the seniors, to have a football season. And that creates an amazing opportunity for athletes to have another five months or so to get ready for their upcoming season. One major example is I've got a young man who was coming off an ACL injury, and I would say he was close to being ready for the start of preseason. And now with this extra five months, not only is he going to be ready, but he should be in a fantastic position. So uh, the situation has been fantastic for him and for uh, some of the young kids I have who have the potential talent to get playing time on the varsity team. Give them, it gives them an opportunity to get uh, better physically prepared than they ordinarily would have been at this stage in their career. So it's very exciting right now. And well, with respect to the training facilities, they are open, but there still is restriction as well as uh, that they have to wear masks while they train. And uh, that's not always easy. In my, in my place, uh, I have great ventilation and they can choose to wear masks or not to wear masks in my place. Uh, So that's, uh, that's uh, where I'm currently at right now. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting year because it's a year unlike any other in my experience, uh, having football players play in the spring. And so uh, it's, it's a very exciting time for it. And what would you say, Keith, to the people who can't possibly train with you? in terms of how do they take advantage of this, of this current time? Should they get online advice? How do they even know what the best thing is for them to do? 
I think it's uh, I think it's imperative that they find a way to figure out where they're currently at, and whether it's with somebody that they uh, they have access to, and if not, uh, uh, I'm going to be for the first time in my career starting an online uh, program to help out people from around the globe with their uh, with at minimum some advice with potential of training programs assessments uh, it's something that i've never thought i would get into uh, but because of the pandemic i ended up seeing uh, six clients online and i still have a couple online and it's given me great opportunity to uh, see uh, the benefit of online training which i never thought would be uh, as effective as it's turned out to be so it's an exciting opportunity to uh, to be able to help people that i might not be able to help uh, on a one-to-one -one face to face basis what are some of the things that you're recommending your athletes to do while they're not with you to do at home the athletes that I have are given uh, things related to their uh, mobility slash flexibility that help them to perform some of the exercises that I think are very important in, in the gym. Uh, I believe in deep squatting. A lot of athletes are very tight in their hips and in their ankles, and that prevents them from squatting in a way that might transfer better to sport. Uh, in the world of football, most squatting is squatting uh, uh, that strength coaches uh, prescribe are squats that are to parallel or slightly below parallel to the floor, where the thigh is parallel to the floor, that is. And that comes from the world of uh, powerlifting. And while certainly you can get much stronger doing that, I believe that it creates some slight imbalances where the the, uh, the hips get a little bit too strong for the legs. So you should have strong hips, the hips, of, uh, the glutes are the strongest muscle in the lower body, but you need legs that also be, uh, need to be able to keep up with it. So if they can't get in the position to do some of these exercises, which can help get that ratio of legs to hips to be more optimal, then it's a problem because then typically the Athletes posture when they squat will tend to increase pressure on the back by up to 300%, which is not ideal. And while young athletes generally don't develop back problems as adults do, uh, it's back problems can be like a cavity. You don't get a cavity overnight because you didn't brush your teeth or you floss your teeth or you ate too many sweets. It's something that occurs over time. And if you get into bad habits, once you develop a back problem, uh, they're very difficult to manage, even for people who do great work and work uh, with respect to their mobility, their strength, and anything related to lower back health. Interesting. So can you explain how the deeper squatting and this, that as a skill set transfers to good football skills? So in, in uh, one of the things they look at in football is, your, is uh, they take a look at the 40-yard dash for speed. So when they're judging a, an athlete as to the potential of play 
at the college level. Uh, they like to see kids, depending on the position, that can run. Uh, if you're a skilled position player, you need to be <clears throat> at 4-6 wide receivers. If they run under 4-5 uh, for the 40-yard dash, they're going to get uh, a lot of attention. Now, obviously, straight-ahead speed is not everything in the sport, but it's something that uh, puts you on the map and gives you yourself a chance to be evaluated. So from years ago, and learning from some people more into the Olympic weightlifting world, uh, it was always found that the Olympic weightlifters who didn't even sprint were very fast. And uh, they all squatted, not only did they squat deep, but they squatted some of them upwards of 15 times a week. Now, no, I'm not looking for athletes to squat 15 times a week because that's not their sport. Uh, we're using strength training to help them become a better athlete that translates into, at least from the physical side of things, a better, whether it's football player, basketball player, or whatever sport that you're involved in. But for sure, speed is very important. And I find that uh, the people who can squat deep uh, uh, gives them a more balanced development in their lower half. On top of the fact that Eventually, they've got to learn how to do, and not everybody is into Olympic lifting. There's many different ways to skin a cat to develop speed. Uh, but I think, uh, I think if you can get somebody in a good position, that I believe in Olympic lifting off the floor. There's a group of people that believe in uh, uh, lifting from above the knee, such as hang cleans or uh, cleans from uh, boxes, and those can be fine depending on the situation. Everybody should be able to do Olympic lifts uh, from the floor or cl as close to the floor as possible to develop a can balance development. What the Olympic lifts do is they help to bring out, uh, almost sync up all the general strength training that you've done and bring it out as power. Power is strength times speed. And uh, so, Things I like my athletes to do away from me outside of uh, making sure that, that their nutrition is on point and that they're making sure they're not up till two in the morning playing uh, video games all the time is that uh, they're doing things that will enhance their ability to do some of the exercises I like. And you know, the, the better that they do away from me, the faster that I can move with them uh, when they're training with me. So can you give us some examples of any of your current clients and how the strengths translated to skills and benefit on the field? Uh, I recently have a, a young gentleman uh, named Evan Thompson. Evan is going into his uh, uh, junior year. He's transferring uh, from public high school to private school. And a year ago, he was weighing 216 pounds at an Under Armour combine, and he was fortunate uh, uh, during the pandemic, uh, there's been very few combines that have been out there. So he went to one that had uh, as many as 500 kids. I'm not 100% sure on the number, but there was a ton because it just hasn't been many opportunities for people to uh, display where they are uh, on, a, on a skill basis and on a speed basis. And he uh, 
weighed in this year about a month ago at 240 pounds. And a year ago, he had vertical jump 25 inches and a standing vertical jump. And uh, recently, with an extra 25 pounds, he vertical jumped 30 inches. And he ran uh, a 4840. And I think he's actually better than that. It's something uh, a lot of times 40-yard dashes uh, have more to do, a lot more to do with not just your physical ability, but your technical ability. And he ran that without doing a lot of uh, technical training for that. And I think uh, that alone should help him uh, improve. So he's, uh, he's been put in a very good position uh, going forward because uh, I was told by a couple of people that out of the uh, athletes weighing 240 pounds at this event, he looked the leanest. And that was exciting. And, and that's also very important long-term in, in terms of uh, injury prevention, in terms of uh, continuing to develop your athleticism. The less body fat you have and the more horsepower you have, uh, the faster you should be, the more explosive you should be, the, the better the endurance that you're going to have. Uh, so it's it's all good. And in relation to the selection process that these athletes need to go through, is is has that been affected by the current pandemic and the way things are in different states across the country? Um, there's there there is not a lot of clarity right now because uh, even at the highest levels of college football. Uh, two of the major conferences and actually I think I believe maybe even three, but two of the major conferences are not going to be playing this fall, which is uh, amazing what, what this has done. And typically the recruiting, it's very difficult without getting looked at to get recruited for these positions. So two years ago, they actually, for the first time in, uh, college football, they have an early signing period, which means that you can s sign if you're offered by a college uh, to play for a school in, I believe it's uh, early to mid-December. And then the, the second signing day would be, I believe it's the second Wednesday in, or first Wednesday in February. It's, uh, uh, I personally forget that, but it used to be that you'd had to wait till February to uh, to sign and now uh, they've upped it so that the process wasn't as crazy and while a lot of kids are well known at the highest levels from their uh, things that they have accomplished as sophomores and juniors uh, so even before they play their last year of football uh, it still creates a lot of uh, uh, fog so to speak and there are kids who are on the bubble of getting an opportunity and, and they need to display themselves. And some kids may not get that opportunity. Some kids may have to wait till the spring. So it's gonna be very interesting to see uh, what they do with the recruiting process. What I tell all the athletes that I have right now is that regardless of what happens, regardless of where you're at, that it's very important to keep building to keep getting better.
because at some point the the level that you're capable of playing will find you it's a in Massachusetts, it was looking very much like there was going to be no senior season. And a number of the seniors that I, I know and, and some I heard about through others uh, became not only were they anxious the whole summer, which affects uh, training results, but um, some of them were actually being uh, were actually showing signs of being depressed because they were going to lose out on their final high school season. Some of them, it was going to be the last time they ever played football. And it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing to be a senior in, in high school, and you could be a very good high school player and choose not to play in college. But for the kids who aspire to play at the next level, sometimes their senior year is their first opportunity to really put themselves on full-time display. And football, unlike any other sport, whereas basketball, they have uh, – what they call AAU, which is uh, club teams that allow you to play in the spring, play in the summer, play in the fall, in a similar situation that you would play on your school team during the winter. Uh, football does not have year-round 11 on 11. They have, they have combines to check out uh, your physical attributes, and they have what they call seven-on-seven, seven, which, uh, which is good to keep the uh, quarterbacks and receivers and uh, – uh, some of the defensive players involved in it, but it's absolutely not the same thing as playing 11 on 11 football. It's not even close. And uh, the kids have been playing a lot of sevens, but they're dying to play 11s. And have you got any material where people can see some of your programs, take some of your stuff? watch some of your videos? So there's a, uh, uh, we have a Facebook page, athletist.com uh, or athletist uh, at Facebook. And there's an, there's an opportunity to join uh, uh, an athletist page where you can pick up a sample program of what I offer, which is a good foundational program uh, who for somebody. You, who would you say that's for? It could be for any young athlete who hasn't uh, hasn't uh, done a lot of strength training or has uh, not done a balanced strength training program before. So I think it's a good basic uh, foundational program that it could be used pretty much by anybody. And what are some of the examples of how your clients, as in the students' lives, the trajectory of what's happening with their schools and the potential. What are some of the examples of how that's changed or progressed for them as a result of them being selected in teams? So uh, I have one young gentleman who played, uh, played in public school who uh, was an undersized basketball player. And after a second year of high school, a sophomore year, about five foot, eight and only 128 pounds and he started to grow and we started to work together and now he's grown to he likes to call himself six feet i would say he's five eleven and a half and he's now up to 174 pounds and this is in 26 months and uh, what it allowed him to do is uh, he decided uh, that at the public school he was at it wasn't a great fit for him 
and he got an opportunity to play at a, a very high level academic uh, high school in the area and got a chance to get meaningful minutes as a, as a reclassified sophomore. So he was repeating his sophomore year. And then his junior year, uh, a number of the older players graduated and went off to college. And he was playing with actually four teammates who went to Division One. So it was uh, uh, even being able to practice with four players of that uh, caliber was a fantastic experience for him. And last year he had a lead, a, a, uh, they had a coaching change and uh, there was a little bit of a talent drop off. So he had to actually put the team on his back and he had a terrific season. And uh, he's now uh, at a, uh, taking his final year of high school at a much higher level school in Connecticut uh, with an opportunity to play against uh, in practice high-level players and to play against uh, other high-level teams. So uh, he's on the verge of, uh, of getting some uh, scholarship opportunities this year. And uh, one way or the other, there's going to be college coaches who at least uh, get to see him in the gym even if uh, the season is uh, hopefully not affected by COVID, but uh, maybe he's still going to get uh, an opportunity to uh, display his skills, which he might not have gotten at the public school level. Would you say that there are any other, I guess, tactics or mindset tips for students who might be mourning the fact that they thought they could do something. Now they can't. The season's changed. The whole school year's changed. Our life has changed. How can they take advantage of the current time? Well, I think it's a great opportunity to look at it as an extra period of off-season training because typically uh, kids are playing sports year-round now with club teams. So in the world of basketball, they're playing uh, spring, summer seasons, and then the fall season, they get a small period of time. And uh, then they've got their uh, school season. So it's a, uh, having this extra time similar to what we talked about earlier with the football players. They have an opportunity uh, to work on their bodies and improve their, uh, their athletic ability and their physicality. And uh, it should help them with their game. But more importantly, uh, the college recruiters tend to look at players who fit a certain uh, stereotype. So a certain player, if they don't weigh a certain amount, if, they're, if they see a tall uh, kid who's a little bit underweight, they're gonna, not going to think he's physically ready to play at the collegiate level. So now, with that extra time to add some, add some weight, and the collegiate coaches will project, uh, will extrapolate that they actually will be a certain weight by the time uh, they're ready to play for them. So if they need somebody to be 180 pounds and they're not uh, at 180 yet, and they gain five to seven pounds and now they're approaching 180 in this example, then the college coaches figure by the time they get them on campus, then they'll be physically prepared to play for them and that they might be able to help them out very early in their collegiate career. Uh, there's a great example from many, many years ago. There's a famous coach in America uh, named Rick Pitino, and uh, he wrote a book 
uh, the first year when he was uh, his first head coaching job was at Boston University back in the early 80s. And he had a player, I'll never forget this, I think he uh, does some uh, color commentating in basketball around the country named Glenn Consor. And Glenn was a, a very solid player at, at Boston University. And uh, Rick Pitino thought, a coach thought he should get up to 180 pounds. And he was weighing 160. So Glenn worked really hard and he came in, I think, around 177, 178, which is a terrific job in the offseason. But he didn't get to 180 and the coach wouldn't play him until he did, or he made him run until he did. Uh, that's an example at the college level of what can happen when certain coaches are big sticklers for that. In the world of junior hockey, many times, if they don't think a guy is big enough to play in the NHL, it might cost them a year back into junior hockey because they're not big enough. So sometimes you have to train because this that if they don't think you can handle the rigors of an NHL season, uh, that can affect you. So the earlier that you can put the optimal size on in a way that enhances your athletic ability, but not makes you not take away from your athletic ability, uh, the faster you're going to move up the ladder, at least from the physical standpoint. And what would you say, I know you're going to have to generalize to answer this, but what would be some top tips for a beginner to try to gain muscle or put that extra bit on now that they have an extra off season? Well, typically the kids don't eat enough and they don't realize they don't eat enough. So the first thing that they should do is if they weigh themselves, they should obviously figure out what, what they're weighing and keep track of what kind of, how much food they're actually eating. And if they're, if they're stuck and they're not putting on, say, a pound a week in an off-season minimum, then there's a, uh, they're not clearly eating enough food. Now, the challenge is, is that the typical nutritionist will say, eat as many calories as you can. And even when I was younger and I was in a similar situation, I was told to eat anything and everything I could to gain weight. And what I found was uh, later on is that uh, because I ate very, uh, very poorly, despite the fact that I was eating tons of calories, I didn't really put any size on. And over the years of my experience, if I have someone who's, uh, who's built in a very uh, ectomorphic, a very thin way, they don't, uh, they don't do well unless the food quality is very high. So not only do they need to eat more, but they need to eat more of the right things. What are the right things? Uh, you want to eat plenty of protein at every meal. Protein can be uh, lean red meat. Uh, uh, ideally, it should be grass-fed red meat. Uh, Hormone-free chicken. Same with turkey, white fish, salmon. Uh, those types of things. If you're into uh, uh, more with more esoteric, you can get into buffalo, you can get into bison, venison. Those are lean sources of protein. They should eat carbohydrates, which tend not to uh, be higher in sugar. So sweet potato, brown rice, quinoa would be ideal for them. And plenty of greens, in particular broccoli, asparagus, uh, uh, spinach, cauliflower. Those are the types of veggies that they should uh, 
concentrate on. And then essential fats, raw nuts, any raw nut but peanuts. Peanuts tend to uh, have allergens in them, and I'm not talking about the uh, the severe allergies that some kids have where they need to carry an EpiPen around with them. Uh, can be more in, their, in, in terms of food sensitivity. So if the body doesn't like it, the body tends to produce more uh, stress hormone. Too much stress hormone can prevent uh, you from gaining the results that you like. And presumably this is what makes a good athlete and a good body. So you help people with that as well, don't you? Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a nutritionist. I will say that, but I have a ton of experience and, and seeing many people's uh, food diaries over the years. And I've seen in what works for the vast majority of the athletes. And uh, when the, some of these athletes, if they struggle, then there's usually something else that's out there. And uh, for that, I have uh, some very high level people that I can get information from or refer them out to to help them if there's uh, something that's uh, that's holding them back that's beyond the, the normal situation. Excellent. And you mentioned before, sometimes there are exercises that take away from their athletic ability when they're, for example, just trying to gain muscle, trying to put on size, trying to put on weight. Can you give us some examples of what they should stop doing or not do as much well, of? Well, uh, long, slow distance cardiovascular work uh, is something that can actually take away from power and speed. And uh, so if you were training to run a marathon or you were just training for uh, general uh, cardiovascular fitness, it's fine. But with respect to uh, uh, developing speed, I would be focused more on uh, sprinting, interval training, uh, Strongman training, especially like uh, sled dragging, sled pushing, that type of stuff, will translate way better to their sport. Can you elaborate on the squats? You mentioned that it's better to go full range instead of just doing squats. And do you have a preference for repetition range? And I understand it is very individual for each person. Should there be something that they're aiming for? So with respect to squatting full range, it's just a, what it tends to do is balance out the, the lower half, and that tends to translate better to, uh, to speed and power. Now, there's plenty of people I've seen over the years that, that squat power style who are very explosive. Uh, uh, but in my experience, I'm in a particular position where I generally don't have a lot of time to train these athletes. And I've found that with respect to getting a faster result, if I can get them to squat deep, uh, I see uh, the typical feedback I get. I've had, I've had two recent clients I've had for three, four weeks, and they're all telling me that they feel much faster in the field. I'm not saying that all of a sudden they've, they've gotten twice as fast, but they feel much more athletic. And, and both of these kids were in programs where they weren't asked to squat deep before. And so they're experiencing uh, what happens when you have a balanced uh, leg development, the body tends to work better. As far as reps go, the, the reps uh, 
depend on the, the muscle group you're working. It depends on how long you've been training for. Uh, but in general, uh, if your rep range is too high, then that can also affect your ability to produce power. But for example, uh, hamstrings and biceps tend to be higher fast twitch fiber makeup, so you don't want to ever train those super high uh, reps unless you're doing general bodybuilding. With, however, the, the calf muscle, there are two calf muscles, one's a gastrocnemius, they tend to be higher fast twitch fiber makeup, so you wouldn't do super high reps on, on gastroc exercises, maybe sets of 10. But the soleus, or for seated calf raises, they're 96% slow twitch, and they respond better to doing super high reps, 20 to 25 reps. So the rep schemes are highly individual. A general rule is that the older you get, and when I say older you get in the weight room or when, as your training age increases, your rep range is gonna tend to decrease because you become more neurologically efficient. So it means that you'll respond in general better, relatively speaking, to your situation to lower reps as you get older if you're training uh, for athletics. Excellent. And so how can people contact you and ask a question if they want to? Uh, I can be reached. Uh, my Facebook page is uh, either uh, my personal page is Keith Alpert, uh, Athletist on Facebook, Athletist on Instagram, and uh, Keith Alpert, K-E-I-T-H-A-L-P-E-R-T at gmail.com is my email. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Keith. Any parting words to upcoming athletes? I would say, as I said before, you, uh, it's obviously can be a very tough time right now. Uh, it's been a tough time for pretty much everybody around the world. Uh, but at some point, uh, things are going to clear up and we're going to, and things are going to get back to a, you know, at least a, a closer to normal than they are uh, currently. Until then, it's a great opportunity for you to take advantage of this extra time to build and get better so that you're prepared when that opportunity arises. Uh, it's very easy to, to, uh, to be upset, to be angry, to be disappointed, and, uh, and it's totally understandable. But the sooner that you can realize that uh, this has actually created a different opportunity and take advantage of it, uh, the better that you're going to be and the happier you're going to be uh, going after it. You'll feel a lot better. Excellent. And they can see the link near the podcast to be able to download that program, the strength training basic program that at the moment's for free. And they can ask questions about that in the Facebook group. They can get the email sent to them via, get the program sent to them via email. Thanks for your time today, Keith. Thanks for having me, Kate.